1: Welcome to the Good Chris Adelphian Talks podcast. This is Brother Brian. This week's talk is an exhortation by Brother Nigel Small that was given a few weeks ago here at my home ecclesia in Morristown, New Jersey. Brother Nigel took his thoughts from the John 8 account of the woman who is caught in adultery and he entitled it, Go and Sin No More. The aspects that caught my attention and stuck with me were how the act of stoning someone as a punishment for their sin was meant to be a show of brutality in order to demonstrate how reprehensible sin was to God's righteous character. But that the trauma of witnessing such an unfortunate event would surely stick with someone for the rest of their lives and served as a living reminder of the horrors of how the law called us to have to come and pay the price for our misdeeds. That this trauma was part of God's plan to help generations come to terms with the blunted limitations of the law and highlight the need for forgiveness and mercy, which brings us to this shocking story of a crowd bringing the shamed woman right into the temple to demand of Jesus what his judgment should be and how one by one the consciences of each accuser drained them of their desire for blood and left them all to ponder their limitations and their need for redemption. Brother Nigel points out that with the instruction to this woman and to all of us that we go and sin no more, it's actually a vote of confidence in our ability to overcome the perpetual habits of sinning by that initial acceptance of grace that has been extended to us. That yes, even though intrusive thoughts and temptations will find their way back into our lives, we should not let that rebellion come to define us, to rule over us, to bring us to open shame. But that like the woman, after we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus, we should be a changed person. A person to whom the appeal of a sinful lifestyle just no longer holds any power. My favorite line of the Exhort that I highly encourage you to write down in your margins next to John chapter 8 is forgiveness is not cheap. That we, like the woman, have been called to pay the price for our rebellion. But in order to end the cycle of trauma, We're being extended mercy, even in our moments of deepest shame and regret. So let us remain in the presence of Jesus, dwelling on those four words and how it costs God everything in order to make those four words true. So as always... We hope this strengthens your faith and brightens your day. Brother Nigel Small, go and sin no more.
2: Well, there was lots, a lot to unfold in uh, our chapter that we read this morning in John chapter 10, John chapter 8, sorry. Uh, but the focal point of our exhortation, my dear brothers and sisters, is just within the first 11 verses with the conversation that transpired between our Lord and Master and the scribes and the Pharisees. And so by way of exaltation this morning, uh, I'd like us to sort of examine, if you will, a little bit closer uh, the words used by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to set the woman caught in the act of adultery, free from death, the ultimate price we would all have to pay for our sins where he said unto her, go and sin no more. You know, ever so often, brothers and sisters, when we read the pages of scriptures, it's difficult at times to relate because we live in very different times, particularly on this side of the world, and quite often the impact of the lessons or lessons are lost as a result. Uh, so, if possible today, I would like us to travel back in time and revisit one of what I consider to be the most gruesome and presumably standard form back then of capital punishment in ancient Israel for anyone who would have transgressed the law of Almighty God. In fact, uh, The two worst forms of capital punishment, both then and now, are crucifixion being the first, as the idea, the general idea of capital punishment or of of that nature is to inflict as much pain and suffering as possible while the person is yet alive. And secondly, that of stoning, an act that is still carried out today in many Middle Eastern countries and parts of Africa, such as Iran, and the United Arab Emirates, and Qatar, and Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan, and Afghanistan, and Yemen, and northern parts of Nigeria, to name a few. And if we were to witness an act of stoning today, brothers and sisters, and hopefully we don't under any circumstance, we would never be able to overcome the trauma impressed upon our minds, brothers and sisters. It's a very traumatic experience. It was an act instituted, however, by Yahweh, not simply to punish Israel, who continued to provoke the Lord's anger in transgressing his laws, but more importantly, to help others to understand the consequence of sin. There is a consequence, brothers and sisters, that we all have to pay for the sins that we commit on a daily basis. And so refrain ourselves from such acts in our lives. It was Paul who says, for the wages of sin is death. And that's the ultimate price we all will have to pay for the sins of this world. The ultimate is death. Now having disobeyed Yahweh and Eden, the only way for man's return to him was through the obedience of his laws that he established to guide us and to correct us in measure, and for which also there was no mistaking of what Yahweh required of each one of his children. An absolute and complete obedience was the only way back, brothers and sisters, as he wrote on tables of stone to Moses that all might now, that his laws are true. His laws are just. His laws are correct. But most importantly, it's our way back to him from which man had deviated. And so man having deviated from God's divine ways, he grew worse in his actions and attitudes towards God. That the Genesis record clearly writes that it displeased God that he had ever made man, and it grieved him at his heart. And so these laws were specifically designed to call men to obedience. Otherwise, pay the price for your actions. As the Apostle Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, O oh Lord. And so on the occasion when Yahweh brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he very clearly and distinctively said unto them in the exodus of mankind, I am the Lord thy God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land Which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So the instruction was very clear to the children of Israel by way of his law, what they must do and of what they must not do. And to understand there were sharp consequences for disobedience of any of these laws, which in every case, brothers and sisters, was brutal according to his words. And so concerning the act of adultery, he further stated in Deuteronomy chapter 17 at verse 2, If there be found among you within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that had wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, and shalt stone them with stones till they die. Notice very carefully, brothers and sisters, there was no partiality of Yahweh's part on who should face the consequence for their actions. He plainly said, even that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing shall be stoned with stones till they die. But more specifically to this story in John chapter 8, however, we read the following in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, if a man caught having intercourse with another man's wife, both of them are to be put to death. In this way, you will get rid of this evil. If a man is caught in a tongue having intercourse with a young woman who is engaged to someone else, you are to take them outside the tongue and stone them to death. She is to die because she did not cry out for help, although she was in a tongue where she could have been heard. And the man is to die because he had intercourse with someone who was engaged. In this way, you will get rid of this evil. Note again, brothers and sisters, the record strictly says you are to take them outside of the town or the camp and stone them to death. And I'd like to remind us this morning, brothers and sisters, that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, whom we come to remember this morning, was crucified outside the camp. So when those strict observers of the law, better known as the scribes and the Pharisees, brought this woman caught in the very act, as per the record, they were very quick to reference what the law of Moses said in John chapter 8, 3-5, to to see what our Lord and Master would do. And I'd like us to note very carefully in verse 2 that when she was brought on to him, he was not outside the camp, but rather he was in the temple, the place of worship, brothers and sisters, the place of teaching, the place of prayer, and most of all, my beloved brothers and sisters, the place of forgiveness. So our Lord and Master understood fully well his role under this circumstance and the reason he was sent into this world by his Heavenly Father. He came, the record says, not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent me. What then is his will? His will, my dear brothers and sisters, was that none should perish but that all might come to repentance. That's the will of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. In another place, he said, I came not to save the righteous, but to bring sinners to repentance. For they who are whole need not a physician, but they who are sick. So our Lord and Master understood his whole purpose in coming into this world. And he's about to fulfill, if you will, that purpose for this woman who indeed was sick, brothers and sisters. And subsequently for you and I, this morning, my dear brethren, as we each come before this table of remembrance, broken this day, with all manner of failures, and all manner of short shortcomings, and all manner of inconsistencies in our own lives, brothers and sisters. We have come here today, not because we are righteous, but because we have sinned. And we have come to remember our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, who has given his life, and who has paid the ultimate price for our sins. And so John continued. The scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman unto him, taken in adultery. She had clearly broken the law of God, for which there is sharp consequence. And so they had set her in the midst of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. And note they said to him, in the very act of it. Not just that someone told them about her and what she had done. She was caught in the very act, brothers and sisters. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now what's very interesting in the next verse brothers and sisters, is that Jesus seemingly ignored them as he wrote in the ground with his fingers and to which we all ponder. Why was Jesus slow in his response to these scribes and Pharisees? And I thought I might suggest three reasons, brothers and sisters. The first being what verse 6 clearly says. That they might tempt him the scribes and Pharisees, as they often do. And they try to do so on many other occasions that they might accuse him and find fault in him so that they might ultimately condemn him unto death. So Christ was always very careful in his response and thoughtful towards these scribes and Pharisees. Secondly, they were either biased or never truly comprehended what was written in the law, or simply brought her only with the purpose to trap him and to give an answer to then accuse him later on. You can never trust the intent of these strict observers of the law, who by fair means or foul means wanted our lord and master dead. The law was very clear, brothers and sisters, wasn't it? The law clearly stated in Deuteronomy 22 that if a man is caught having intercourse with another man's wife, both of them, brothers and sisters, are to be put to death. There was no partiality in the command. In this way, we will get rid of this evil. Here we have a young woman who was caught in the very act. The question we might ask then, where was the man? Where was he? And if I were to share an opinion, brothers and sisters, I would have to say that they knew exactly where he was. But all had evil intents and evil purposes and evil plans in their hearts. Didn't they? Thirdly, I'd like to suggest, brothers and sisters, perhaps the most important reason in this lesson was to extend his merciful hands, his loving kindness, to show his compassion, brothers and sisters, his unmerited favor, his grace, his forgiveness on this woman's life. And give her, brothers and sisters, the opportunity, like we all have here this day, brothers and sisters, to be a part of God's eternal kingdom. Despite our shortcomings, each differently. For the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. It was Yahweh, says the Apostle Paul, who commended his love towards us? That while we were yet sinners, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, in bondage and in Egypt, filthy, unthankful, unworthy, it is at that point, brothers and sisters, our Lord and Master gave his life for us. It was not because we were righteous, because we were sinners. Just like this woman caught in this act of adultery. It is to that intent, brothers and sisters, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died for us. As for these scribes and Pharisees, they continued to press on for an answer from him. And so he lifted up himself and said unto them, he That is without sin among you. Let him first cast a stone at her. My beloved brothers and sisters. You know we all come here today. Creatures of the dust. Who have been given the wonderful privilege and opportunity to be called disciples of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And who have taken up our crosses to follow him. We've come here, brothers and sisters, at the beginning of a new week to meet with our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And when we look at the world around us, we do feel a sense of privilege indeed, don't we? Knowing that we have been baptized into the saving name of our Lord. And we have the truth. And we are not like the world. And we can't wait for him to return or Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to stone and to destroy all those that lie outside the camp, if you will, with all the atrocities they indulge themselves in on a daily basis. But are we truly better than they? Are we also willing and ready to bring them before Christ to be condemned? Or do we rather pray and ask for their forgiveness and ours, brothers and sisters, more importantly, that we so desperately need on a daily basis. And so I asked my dearly beloved, how was our past week? What was our relationship with King Sin? How did we favor? We are all creatures of the dust, brothers and sisters. Worthy of nothing else but death. It is only by the grace extended to that woman and to us, my dearly beloved, that we can stand before God's throne of grace this day. We have absolutely no righteousness of our own. Make no mistake about it. And we are all worthy of condemnation. But by grace, we are saved. We can all be easily stoned and put to death. For the things done in our bodies, brothers and sisters, for the past week. And I mean each of us, be it my dearly beloved. What have I done the past week that's worthy of death? What have you done? Yet this morning, we can come here with a sense of boldness, Paul says. Because the same measure of compassion meted out to that woman have been meted out to us this morning. To the extent, my dearly beloved, that not one of those men could condemn her—not one. And so, our Lord and Master, understood and understood the task that was before him. Continued writing in the ground, the record tells us. And then as we hasten to verse 9 of John chapter 8, they which heard it, being convicted by, the record says, their own consciences, their own, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Their own conscience, brothers and sisters. The Greek word for conscience is sunidesis, which has the idea of one's moral consciousness. That is to say, our inner feelings or voice, which acts, brothers and sisters, as a guide to either the rightness or wrongness of our actions and our behaviors. What is your conscience. My dearly beloved. Saying to you this morning. In regards to your sinfulness. And mine. As we come before this table of remembrance. This day. What is it saying to us my dearly beloved. Like the woman caught in the very act of adultery. We too have come here. To meet before our heavenly father. And we too. Can. Can be adulterers and adulteresses in our thoughts in our actions if we conform to the things of this world as james so instructed and as such are all worthy to be stoned to death that slow and gruesome death where each stone brothers and sisters is carefully measured in its size to ensure death is as slow antagonizing and painful as can be because of our sinfulness. And so in that sense, we are no different than the woman caught in the very act this morning. James chapter 4 refers to us in saying, ye adulterers and adulteresses at verse 4, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We call to love not the world or the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it's not of the Father, but it's of this world. Dearly beloved, when we indulge in actions that are worldly, Actions that are self-pleasing. Actions that are self-fulfilling. Actions that satisfies our fleshly desires. James says, we are no different than this adulterous woman caught in the very act. And as such, are worthy of being stoned this morning. But it is Jesus, our mediator, It is Jesus, our advocate, who acts on our behalf, on hers and on ours, again this morning. For when he lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she turned and said, No man. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Those are the words echoed to us this morning, brothers and sisters. Go and sin no more. There are two instances in the New Testament I recall when Jesus told someone to sin no more. And they were each under very different circumstances. The first is when Jesus healed the impotent man by the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. And very interestingly, brothers and sisters, Jesus found the man later, the same place where the adulterous woman was brought unto him, in the temple. And said those same words unto him, as he said unto the woman, Sin no more. It is clear that Jesus knew what had caused the man's condition. We're not told the specifics in scriptures, brothers and sisters, of the man's physical impairment. But the context implies that it was caused by sinful choices, And sinful actions and sinful decisions. And Jesus warned the man that he had been given a second chance, if you will, and that he should then make better choices. If the man returned to his sinful behavior, he would have wasted that opportunity Jesus gave him to live whole and forgiven. How about us, brothers and sisters? we too have been given second chances. What do we do with our second chance? The second instance is of course in the account of the woman taken in the act of adultery that we looked at today. When the woman's accusers brought her before Jesus, expecting him to pronounce judgment as read earlier, He told them that the one who was without sin should throw the first stone. One by one, the condemning crowd left. Jesus told the woman, neither do I condemn you. Sin no more. She had been caught, brothers and sisters. Oh yes, she was guilty. She did deserve stoning according to the law of Moses. But in saying go and sin no more, Jesus was certainly not speaking of sinless perfection which none can attain with the Adamic nature we all inherited from our forefathers, except one, even Christ alone. He was merely warning against a return to sinful lifestyles and choices we keep making day in and day out. We've been warned by the Apostle Paul of presumptuous sinning, doing the same thing over and over presumptuously, brothers and sisters. Christ's words both extend mercy, but also demanded holiness. Jesus was always the perfect balance of grace and truth. But with forgiveness comes the expectation, brothers and sisters, that we will not continue along the same path of rebelliousness. Those who know God's love should naturally want to obey him, brothers and sisters. So when we turn to Christ and receive his forgiveness, as we do this day, we should experience a change, a willingness to do better, a willingness to act better, and to obey the things that God has left for us. Forgiveness is not cheap by any means, brethren. The price was paid not simply by the blood, but by the precious blood, brothers and sisters, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Time and time again, under the law, the blood of an animal was offered over and over again. Hundreds and thousands of innocent animals, their blood was offered. That was not sufficient, brothers and sisters, for our sins. It had to come through the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It cost Almighty God everything, everything. He loved his son, and he loved his son dearly, brothers and sisters, dearly. And so it cost him everything to offer us the cleansing and the giving of his son who pronounces us righteous before him. So rather than continue in our self-centered path that led us astray at the first, we have a new and living way in Christ Jesus today. And we ought to move forward and move toward God in righteousness, in purity, and in holy living brothers and sisters. We cannot experience the transforming power of forgiveness without being changed and willing to do the will of our Heavenly Father. It goes without saying that the woman caught in adultery did not return to her infidelity she had met jesus she would not be perfect no one is but she was forever changed her eyes had been opened to the depravity of brothers and sisters of what she was doing sin no longer held the appeal it once did in her life and when we meet jesus sin should no longer hold its fatal attraction on our lives, brothers and sisters, as it once did when we lived in the world. Grace must change things, as the Apostle Paul says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 10. It should be, my dear brethren, the ultimate goal of every Christian, and certainly every Christadelphian, to go and sin no more. And although we recognize that while we are in the flesh, we still stumble. God's desire for each of us is to be holy as he is holy. We still sin, but sin is no longer a lifestyle choice. Of ours. When we fail. We can come to God. And ask for forgiveness. But we must seek that forgiveness. In spirit. And in truth. By examining brothers and sisters. Our own. Consciences. Our own. Consciences. I don't know what you did for the past week. My dearly beloved. You don't know what I did for the past week. But our consciences speak to us, don't it? Each differently this morning. And that's why we're called to examine ourselves every time we come before the throne of Christ. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Self-examination has to do, brothers and sisters, with our consciences. Our thoughts, our hearts, and our ways, and our actions, that only we know. And as we come before his throne of grace this day, and this table of remembrance, and continue, brothers and sisters, if you will, journeying back, And returning to that covenant relationship with him. We remember the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Who says, behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Which covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, said the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no man, every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, said the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. As we come before this table before us, brothers and sisters, let us therefore examine ourselves and eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh damnation, eateth and drinketh unto himself. And so despite all our shortcomings this day, let us truly examine ourselves before Almighty God and so eat of that bread and drink of that cup.
0: Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks Podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review in Apple Podcast or whichever service you are using to help more people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our show page at GCT or check the show notes section of your podcast player please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages where we are at good Christadelphian talks on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too. Send a suggestion to our email at good talks at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.